Hello and welcome to BlazeCast. I'm your co-host, Christy Communism. Nope, the bit is dead. I'm dead. The bit? <laughs> <laughs> we have, we can't just, you can't just spring it, the bit on me. I have to be prepared for the bit. I have, I have things to handle for the bit. I can't just do the bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? I thought you were a professional. What in the world gave you that idea? We've been doing this for ten weeks. I think that's about enough. Nah. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Blazeball Cast, where uh, us co-hosts on this Bleach podcast talk about Blazeball. We've got about 30 seconds until season four. Uh, the season four changes show up in earnest. I'm I'm pretty excited. The Hades Tigers are our champions this week. By happy accident, our recording time just happens to sync up with the internet. The Internet League baseball is a season turnover, so let's just see what uh, what the elections brought us. Well, let's see. Oh. hello and welcome to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host Lily. I'm Sam. We are going to attempt to go through these episodes. I actually wrote both summaries this week uh, because I somehow found time. Uh, we did attempt to do a baseball cast. However, uh, most of that's going to get cut because we couldn't get into the website. <laughs> In our hubris, we refreshed. We refreshed and then we tried logging in again like fools. Fools who could not be just a little bit patient for the site to refresh on its own. Our own hubris killed us. I'm going to try logging in one more time. Nope. Do we have any housekeeping this week, Sam? Uh, there is one bit that I was originally going to wait until the end, but in, since we're on a bit of a schedule, I'll say it now, since we might as well just mention it now. With today's episodes, we're going to officially have finished... Season 1, The Substitute of Bleach. Uh, starting with episode 21, we enter season 2, Soul Society, The Entry. Well, shit. Okay, um, maybe... Okay, maybe after this recording session we should come back, like, and, like, actually discuss season 1, or we can do that as a separate episode, like, where we don't watch episodes and just talk about season one as a whole i don't trust ourselves to stick to a concise discussion yeah it's gonna turn into a fucking waypoint episode where we think it's gonna be like 30 minutes and it ends up being three hours but you know what we're gonna do our best 
Five star runtimes, Babe. Babe. <laughs> okay. Uh, that is all the housekeeping. Yes, Sam. That's all I have on my end. All right. Well, with that, let's jump right into the episodes. Episode nineteen. Ichigo becomes a hollow. In the prison ward, Byaki Yakuchiki delivers the news. Rukia has been found guilty and is to be executed in 25 days. He informs Rukia that this will be the last time they speak before the execution, turning and leaving, as Rukia tells herself not to shed any tears. The first shot of the episode is phenomenal, because, like, we see a close-up on Rukia's face, it pulls back, goes through the bars, and then pans to Renji, who's just completely horrified. And then it flips yeah. It flips to this, like, emotionless top-down shot that just shows you how far back Byakuya is. Like, like he's not getting in this. He's just here to give the message and leave. And then there's just, like, this really good transition to Rukia, like, just in the darkness. It's like, damn, this is some of the best shit that Bleach has done on screen. Yeah, for real. It was a good moment. Hey, Byakuya, hey, Byakuya. Look at me. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> oh my god, did Lin introduce himself? No. Well, I expected you to do it. Nete, you're fusted, Lily. We're, we're professional podcasters. You introduced yourself first started. I'm sorry, okay? Here's Lin, our robot podcast ghost. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I failed you. We've done ten episodes of this podcast. We're professionals now. We are so professional. <laughs> we are incredibly professional. Under Urahara shop, we get the premise of Lesson 2 once more. Ichigo must become a Soul Reaper within 72 hours, or his chain of fate will complete its encroachment, turning him into a hollow, meaning Urahara and crew will have to kill him. The encroachment is still fucking terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. But also, like, just Ichigo going, are you going to kill- Are you planning on killing me? And Urahara, like, looks at him super coldly, and he's just like, yeah, if you give up. Like, the second you give up, you're done. He's a boy. Yeah, it, you know what? If, if you- A baby. <laughs> if, if you give up here, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna kill you. Sorry, bud. Meanwhile, Chad and Orihime again attempt to bring out their powers, leaving Yoruichi to call them both hopeless. You won't be able to go to Soul Society at this rate, says the cat, and Orihime begins to speak up, but our furry friend simply states that if they go in this state, they will die like dogs. Remember the first time you used your powers, and go from there, says Yoruichi. This leads to a few thoughts between Orihime and Chad recalling that they were both trying to protect somebody when their powers came up. Uh, do you want to, like, brief aside here, like, Orihime does, like, do, like, a remembering bit, and, like, Chad, like, tries to remember Karin, and it, like, cuts to this gag of, like, Ichigo wearing lipstick, and, like, being in, like, long Karin hair, and, like, I don't think it was, like, inherently transphobic or anything, but it definitely was, ooh, man in the, in girly stuff. And that that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Well, it definitely was like, oh, isn't isn't this like gross or whatever? Because Chad's reaction is yeah. to nearly throw up, and I'm like, yeah, like this this specific humor uh, bit, uh, bo which is both uh, 
the next well the next jokes that come in and just this chad bit it's like absolutely the worst part of these two episodes agreed but also it doesn't it doesn't reach like some of the depths that some of the bad jokes have gone before so i'm like well all right this is the low point let's see let's just go up from here it just sucks that our good good boy chad is like involved in it <laughs> treat him better Kuba. oh also wanna state wanna state there is no cone in either of these episodes and i've never been so thankful hell it, yeah it baby is so nice to not have our horny fucking plush. It uh, like it is genuinely night and day how good like the qual- the overall quality of both of these episodes because and part of it is that there is no like cutaway to con doing a perverted joke. No con for the next arc too. Hopefully, I don't remember con in the next arc, but let's hope that's true. Orihime succeeds at this first, as her Shunshun Rika appear, berating her for calling on them when she's not in danger. Yoruichi congratulates her for bringing out her power, but states that she must learn to tame it. Cut back to Ichigo. The mouths on the chain stop, Ichigo noting that this is the fifth time encroachment has happened, and that it seems to follow a cycle. He gets to his feet and attempts to run up the wall of the shaft, slipping a pretty long ways up and dropping back down to the bottom. Uh, I love this. Uh, Ichigo, like, brings up that, like, the encroachment, like, when it happens is, like, extremely painful. Like, to the point where, like, if he tried to move, he, like, I believe he says he would, like, pass out. Yeah. Or something similar. Well, he basically says that it's so painful he can't move and can barely see. And he's like, holy shit. (laughs) I, I, I am glad it doesn't, like, have to consistently show you that. Like, we get, like, cuts and pieces of like the encroachment happening he's 15 he is 15 and we get like cuts and bits of of the encroachment happening but like it's nothing compared to what we get later um i do really like this part uh jinta asks if he's getting hungry stating that if he does it's a sign that he is nearing holification Getting thirsty is fine, though. Here, drink my spit, he says, as he and Ururu drool over the edge of the shaft. This is the meanest thing I've ever seen Ururu do. Like, it's a it's a gross joke, but in a, like, uh, children can be so disgusting sometimes, and not the usual bleach what are you doing being gross way. Yeah, for real. Like, I, I thought it was funny, don't get me wrong. I was like, you kids, you dang kids. And, like, and she goes like, oh my god, it's touching me, it's touching me. It's like really funny but also god damn it kids it's like please please stop spitting on the man who can barely move because he's in such pain <laughs> like this is not making it worse and Urnahara just sits by and does nothing he's just like eating an apple <laughs> later Ichigo questions how much time has passed and Jinta drops into the shaft with a platter of fruit I thought you might be hungry by now, he states, as Ichigo laughs and claims that there are still quite a few links of his chain left. Jinta tells him the truth. Seventy hours have already passed, and some souls start to become hollows just at that mark. He says the final encroachment is nothing like the others. Suddenly, all of the remaining links grow mouths, 
devouring each other and leaving Ichigo with a hole in his chest. As white fluid begins pouring out of his mouth and eyes, he screams in horrible pain, and Uraru prepares to attack, only to be stopped by Urahara, who states that Ichigo's body is intact while the mask forms, instead of exploding and reforming itself as is normal for holification. This is proof he is resisting. He asks Uraru and Jinta just to wait a little longer. This part was terrifying. Yeah, this is another example of, oh, when Bleach wants to do horror, it does horror. And it does horror really well. Like, this whole transformation is awful. Yeah, like, him, his scream is what gets me. Like, the voice acting in this episode is, like, absolutely top-notch for a shounen. His screaming is just, like, absolutely, like, gut-wrenching. And, and it's happening just, like, Odahara is, like, Oh, hey, yeah, like, if you think back to, like, episode, uh, I think it's, like, episode four or five, where we had the uh, hospital, the Don Kanonji introduction, with that hospital ghost. That was, like, episode ten. Uh, uh, um, we remember that the the spirit basically completely exploded, and then reformed somewhere, and then the mask formed. So, Urahara here is like, oh, yeah, no, like... That didn't happen, so he's fighting. But as he's saying it super coldly, you just have Ichigo's, like, s- like terrified screams in the background throughout the entire scene, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, it's fucking scary. Lin says also Urahara being, like, just incredibly calm through it all made it even more creepy, and I agree. The, the tone for this part is, like, really, really good. We cut to a strange city-like space. A strange man asks Ichigo if he can finally hear his calls. Ichigo wakes up on the side of a tower, wondering where he is. The man stands on the tip of a pole as Ichigo asks who he is, but cannot hear the reply. The man seems disappointed, wondering how many times he must cry out before finally being heard. He steps onto the side of the pole, and Ichigo realizes that he is on the side of the skyscraper, beginning to fall. The man jumps down and tells Ichigo he has time to spare if he can scream this much. This entire sequence is really cool. Like, yeah, I love this. Like, I fucking love this. The guy's design, his like the sh- the cool shades, the formless billowing cloak, and like his hair that kind of mer- sort of merges into the cloak. Just the whole city that you see sideways. Like, that's a great visual. Just like, boom, you're here and you're like, oh god, what's happening? Yeah, it's. God, it's... Bleach is good sometimes, guys! The man then reveals that the powers Byakuya destroyed were only the ones that Rukia gave to Ichigo, and that he was careless, because Ichigo has Soul Reaper powers of his own. His own powers were beginning to awaken due to his time with Rukia's, but they hid themselves within an instant as Byakuya attacked him. The skyscraper begins to dissolve into a bunch of white cubes, and the man tells Ichigo to find his powers within one of the cubes before the world collapses. Ichigo falls into the water, and remembers Uryu telling him that the spirit ribbons of a soul reaper are red, as opposed to the other ribbons being white. Suddenly, ribbons spring forth from the boxes, and Ichigo finds the correct one, revealing the hilt of a zanpakuto as he opens the box. Being told to hurry, he pulls the hilt, and the man tells him he hopes Ichigo will hear his name soon. This ruled. It's so, like, just the sequence where Ichigo is about to hit the ground, and then suddenly the camera just shifts underground, and he falls through, like, water. And you're like, oh, man. Like, it's so good. 
Bleach is good sometimes. I'm also a big fan of just like the callback to his first meeting with Ishida. Because he's like, oh yeah. Yeah. We're like, because he was like, how the fuck did Ishida know I was a Soul Reaper again? Oh yeah, he did that. Okay, let's let's do that thing and use the information that I learned at that point. And he does it. And he succeeds. And that's good. That's really good. I do will say, like, one negative. Uh, and, like, this will be something we get down, like, a lot later down the line in learning. Uh, and, like, I get why they did this. Uh... I do not really like how hand wavy the like soul reaper power thing was because like taking it as somebody who let's say I don't know the information we get later on that to me just feels like okay so he's just gonna have all the powers yeah like I I can see it there's a this bit like the way they explain it is like a little bit different in the manga and I thought it it's just like this. This t- can't give away too much info, Lily. We'll end up contradicting it anyways. <laughs> Incredibly You're true. Because right. in this, in the anime, the way that I understood it from the subs I was getting off uh, Crunchyroll is he kind of explains it as like you didn't have powers, and then Rukia gave you powers, and then that also like awoken powers within you, and then when you were attacked, those powers went like hid themselves incredibly deep. As if they were, like, a conscious thing. And that's weird. <laughs> it is weird. And then in the manga, it was more of a... It is the same, like... You didn't have powers... Like, you... When Rukia gave you those powers, it awoke, like, a part of your soul and you got powers. But those powers were still at the... Like, they they don't say that those powers, like, came up and then hid away. It's... Those powers were awoken, but still, like, hidden in the very depths of your soul. So he still has to, like go do the exercise of going to reach them, essentially. Which I which yeah. I thought made a little bit more sense. I... Yeah, I just... I wish this show didn't get so hand-wavy sometimes, because it, it, it does feel whenever it's trying to conceal information that it's going to give you later, it does just, like, kind of hand-wave it away, like, hey, don't worry about it. And, like, that's fine... I get it, but after a while, it gets tiring of it doing the same thing. Uh, that's that's my biggest complaint about this episode. World building is not Bleach's forte. But this is true. My problem is actually like I don't mind when they do the well. I don't mind when they hand wave it because I feel that Bleach's problem, which is definitely something we're gonna get into later, is when they try to explain every bit. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's like I actually have the like I actually have the opposite problem where I think this part was okay, and then when they try to explain it later, that's the problem. I think it's a combination of the two, really. Like I, th- I think it's a combination of them like hand waving it at first, and then going, "Okay, now we're gonna explain this in gruesome detail," and it's like, "Okay, you c- you couldn't have explained this like twenty episodes ago." <laughs> Back in the real world, Ichigo continues to scream, and Tessai takes action beginning to further bind Ichigo, preparing to kill him. Suddenly, a huge blast of energy explodes from the shaft, and standing in the smoke is Ichigo, masked, but wearing a shihakusho, the Soul Reaper garb. He draws his broken zanpakuto, and Ichigo slams the handle into his mask, shattering it. 
Urahara congratulates him on clearing Lesson 2 and regaining his powers as Ichigo jabs the hilt into Urahara's face, stating that he is doomed. I promised I would kill you if I ever got out of that pit, he says. Urahara says, perfect timing. Lesson 3 is to knock the hat off my head. No time limit. Yes, time limit. Give me five minutes, says Ichigo, slashing upward, cutting a bit of the brim off the hat. is like, props for doing that with a broken blade. And then Ichigo's like, I haven't even gotten serious yet. And Urahara draws his own zanpakuto from his cane, revealing it to be a sheath. And the episode ends. The So, te- Tessai's spells are, they're following the same... Um... They're following the same structure as Rukia's spells, except he's not saying, like, giant paragraphs for each of them. He's just rattling them off one after the other. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting, too, and I'm like, is he just, like, that much of a higher level than Rukia, or what? what's the deal here? And then just, like, that, like, here's where we get probably the most no- well-known look of Bleach, which is, uh... Just Ichigo standing with the bandages that are remaining from Tessai's spells, the nails in his shoulder, the mask on his face. Just like this really good, uh, just this really good look that's like, oh, this looks scary. And even when he was obscured by the lights and Jinta and Ururu were like, oh, is he going to attack us right now? Like, what's going on? And you just see like red eyes in the in the smoke and it's like, oh, is Ichigo okay? Did he get his powers back in time? It's a really good part. I really enjoyed just the entire tone of this episode for the the whole fight. But, like, this bit in particular is just, like, it just reeks of cool. It was really good. I don't have much more to add on this episode aside from that it was really good. Aside from, like, the Chad bit and, like, my personal feelings on the hand waviness. But, uh, yeah, do you have anything more to add, Sam? Uh, overall, great episode, except, of course, you know, the chat bit. Uh, quick change, uh, little changes from the manga. There's a, well, there's a gag that got left out, essentially, where Jinta is preparing the food platter that he brings down to Ichigo. And he specifically says, <laughs> I'm gonna make sure there's only foods you can eat with your hands, because he can't use his hands. And that's why the platter is like, <laughs> it's got watermelon, it's got bananas... <laughs> <laughs> that's actually fucking hilarious and like oh my god this little gremlin this little shit uh there is a hint <laughs> but that's a good exception uh when ichigo is falling in like his dream world we get an explanation of how soul reapers fly which is soul basically reapers just, are all hey, this cloud soul surfing. reapers control like spirits and shit so there's countless spirit particles that always that are just everywhere and whenever uh, soul reapers want to they just like make them solid under their feet which is something that we've seen ichigo done multiple times in the past when he gets hit and then he's like sliding across the sky uh so it's like oh it's a thing that you were doing <laughs> and finally the one the only other big difference is a um it's just like a storyboarding change which is in this version when ichigo breaks out of the spells it's just like a giant explosion of smoke and dust and we don't even know if Ichigo's intact as there's like a giant beam of light that exits the pit. In the manga, right before the spells hit him, you see Ichigo with the full hollow mask looking up at the spells and like partially wrapped up in them, and it looks terrifying. <laughs> like it is a 
That's awesome. It is a scary ass shot, and then you see the part, like the big explosion, the smoke, and you see him standing off uh, in the thing. I do think I like the um, I I think I I like the like standing in the smoke bit better as like just like okay what the fuck is happening but also that sounds really cool and I, I i would have liked to see that animated yeah but like just look at this panel this very specific panel <laughs> okay yeah that's sick it's like oh my god that's, sick. that's so scary you because you see him fully mummified and like pierced with the nails and then there's like a big break and it's it frees just his face and the hole on his chest and he's just like staring at the camera in a full like hollow face and just like god <laughs> It's so good. Kubo can draw good. He does horror great. Horror great. Oh, man. Okay, let's take a five-minute break, and we'll get back to episode 20. Episode 20, Gin Ichimaru's Shadow. Byakuya leaves the prison ward and is confronted by two other captains. Third Division Captain Gin Ichimaru sits on the railing, calling Byakuya a role model for all Soul Reapers, staying calm in the face of his sister's execution. Eleventh Division Captain Kimpachi Zaraki calls it foolish, stating that Gin and Ninth Division Captain Kaname Tozen are the only ones who fear death. Byakuya asks what two captains without their lieutenants would want with him. Gin simply smiles and says that the two of them were concerned he would be feeling sad. Byakuya says the Kuchiki's noble lineage is none of their concern, and Kampachi says it makes sense he isn't troubled, as criminals taint a noble's bloodline. Byakuya says he is surprised a commoner understands the subtleties of nobility, and Kampachi offers to behead Rukia early to express his sympathy for Byakuya. Byakuya is like, could you even do that at your current level? And Kampachi asks if he wants to test him to find out. And then is like, do you want to be tested? Um, okay, first off, full confession here. I used to think Gin was hot. Gin was one of my, like, first, like, gay feelings. Yeah, I can see it. Gin's got, he's got this, like, mischievous cool guy vibe about him. Yeah. <laughs> this, this whole confrontation, like, it's a little weird. And, like, I have, on the one hand, I have, like, a bit of trouble parsing, like, what the point of it is, but I think it's just, just, just being incredibly petty and being like, hey, wanna go see if Squad 6's captain, like, the perfect boy is emotionally distraught? Huh? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what I got out of it, too. And I can just see Kenpachi being like, I guess. I don't know. Kenpachi seems like he would just go along with, like, some of Gein's bullshit. Just, like, out of boredom. But, I don't know. Suddenly, both Gein and Kenpachi disappear, and Byakuya sees Gein on a nearby roof with Kenpachi tied up. Gein apologizes, stating he never meant to offend Byakuya, and to send his regards to Rukia. Byakuya begins walking down the corridor once more. Lin already said this in the chat. This is all of the Ginichimaru content we get in this episode for it being named after him. Jin has such short screen time despite his name being in the episode title. Yeah, this is it. This is the whole thing. The ultimate swerve. Jin, who do you bribe? <laughs> Lin, I think we already know who he bribed. That, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a joke. 
for the people who have already seen the show. Back in the chamber under Urahara's shop, Tessai pulls himself out of the shattered shaft, completely unscathed, save for his cracked glasses. We cut to the fight happening between Ichigo and Urahara as the two banter. The fight goes on for a bit before Ichigo stops, assuming that Urahara's sword can't be a zanpakuto and therefore can't hurt him. Urahara calls him on this and immediately disproves it by slashing the remnants of Ichigo's hollow mask. He calls Ichigo naive and releases his shikai, Benihime. God, can we talk about how fucking cool Urahara is when he's actually, like, being cool? Yeah, when he goes serious mode, he suddenly becomes the baddest of asses. <laughs> and you're like, holy shit. He's so fucking cool. He's just, like, fucking fighting Ichigo and, like, so calm and collected and just, like, talking down to him. And it's the coolest shit. I do love the bit where he's like, hey, like, sure, you have, like, a fragment of a sword, I guess. But this isn't about being... this. It, well, he tells him, like, if you just try to fight me with that stick, like, I'm going to kill you. Like, yeah. When he's not being a shitty Saruga dad slash mentor is we cool. I love him. Okay, real talk. Is Urdahara hot? Let's get this. Let's get this on radio. Is Urdahara hot? Hmm. I- I'm gonna go ahead and loosely say yes. I, I think Urahara is hot. Like disaster hot. Disaster hot is a good way of of looking at it. Yeah. Average hot. Okay. Yeah. Ichigo recalls Renji releasing his shikai the same way by calling its name. Arahara explains that every Zanpakuto has a name and slams him through a rock. Hot is a good way of describing it. <laughs> Arahara explains that every Zanpakuto has a name and slams him through a rock. The two clash and Arahara cuts the remaining pieces of Ichigo's broken Zanpakuto away, stating he can cut it so easily because there's no spiritual energy flowing through it. He asks if Ichigo will still attack with no weapon, stating that he will kill him if he tries. Ichigo runs, and Urahara attacks again, but Ichigo dodges and continues running. The game of cat and mouse continues a while, and suddenly the man from Ichigo's inner world appears before him, asking why he is running, and why he has not called his name. He tells him to look forward as he should hear it now. Ichigo stops running, and Urahara does as well. The man tells Ichigo to abandon his fears, and Ichigo holds the handle near his waist. The man commands him to call his name, and Ichigo finally does. Zangetsu! He shouts, manifesting his shikai and unleashing a blast of energy, surging past Urahara, who has to hold his hat in place. The dust clears, revealing Ichigo kneeling with his now-revealed shikai, Zangetsu. Jinta notes it does not have a hilt or a guard, stating that it doesn't look like a proper Zanpakuto to him. This entire, like, the... Both of these, like, back-to-back sequences, first is, like, the montage during Ichigo's panic, because the, the screen keeps, like, closing in in a, in a claustrophobic way, kind of, and kind of looks like manga panels, actually, uh, as he's, he, like, yeah. he's getting grabbed and thrown to the floor, and then he has to curl up to try to dodge a hit, and then he runs away again, and meanwhile, Ichigo's, like, t- like he's talking to himself in his brain, being like, I'm panicking, why can't I stop running, why can't I control myself, oh my god, I'm going to die. And then you get that really cool segment with Zangetsu, where Ichigo just, like, stops, gets in a stance, and then you just keep going back and forth between, like, how cool it looks to black screen, Zangetsu telling him, like, yo, don't, 
like don't uh, don't be afraid keep going forward believe in yourself etc cetera, etc cetera. just all of the shonen platitudes yeah for real i i really liked the way the, the camera was happening here like the framing making it look like manga panels and just like it constantly like just like the black bars just like closing I loved that, and, like, I really found myself, like, hoping that, like, the new show does some of that stuff. I doubt it will, but I thought it was really cool, and a really good stylistic choice. Urahara congratulates him, and says they can now properly begin Lesson 3, but Ichigo simply apologizes to him, asking him to dodge. He admits he can't fully control Zangetsu yet, as the remaining bindings on him fly off. Urahara goes on guard, and Ichigo launches more energy. A Getsuka Tensho towards him. Urahara's hat flies away, damaged, and Urahara states he would have lost an arm if not for the Chikasumi Notate he used as a def- he used as defense. This was like a, a like spell he used, I believe. Uh, I assumed it was this. It was either the uh, part of the skills of his sword or like just a separate item that he had. The in this episode they don't clarify. The, it's just it's this blood mist shield that I have, yeah. but they don't really clarify like where it's from. True. Ichigo falls asleep and Urdahara calls him scary, declaring that he has cleared the third lesson. We get a shot of Uduyu dissipating his bow, claiming his training is complete, thanking his grandfather and looking at his new glove. Meanwhile, Chad manifests his powers and blows a hole in the wall Scaring civilians, causing some panic, and needing to escape out the back door of the building before falling down some stairs. That bit was really funny. I'm such a huge fan of that bit. Where it's like, Orihime's just like, yay, you did it! And then Yoroichi's immediately like, you complete idiot. Look, you are causing a panic. Run out the back quick before people find you. Oh my god. (laughs) And then he just falls down the stairs. (laughs) Him falling down the stairs, and Orihime being like, oh my god! It's just like so... It's so funny, and they're really good together. Yoruichi praises them for being able to awaken their powers in such a short time. Later, Ichigo notes that he was told to stay at home after finishing his training. He stands near a path with the gang. Orihime, Chad, Tatsuki, Keiko, Mizuhiro, Ishin, Karin, and Yuzu are all there. Keiko declares they've arrived for the fireworks festival, and the group chats for a bit. Orihime and Tatsuki break off from the group and have a really, really gay wife moment and talk about Tatsuki's injured arm a bit. They reach the riverbank and the two note that they only come down here each year in autumn. The two talk a bit, Orihime about her brother, and Tatsuki recalls Orihime's promise to protect her from now on, bringing up Orihime's trip next week. She notes that Ichigo is also going on a trip next week, and Orihime nervously confirms this. She encourages Orihime to go do what she has to do, and that she'll be here waiting, as the fireworks start going off. We get some cuts to the rest of the gang, and then back to Ichigo in his room. This bit was so fucking gay. So, I try not to get too shippy on the podcast, because everyone's got their pairings, and this show doesn't have, like, a a canonical N-gay or lesbian pairing that I'm aware of. But, like, look at this scene. (laughs) You'll just look at the way this scene is framed. <laughs> there is in, en- in any anime where 
these like either of these characters is a boy this is absolutely the con- the love confession scene under the firework lit sky they're both looking at the at the setting sun on the riverbank everyone else leaves them alone and they're like no we're good we're just gonna be here together it's fine we'll catch up to you at some point and then the fireworks start and they have this really heavy emotionally connected uh, conversation where tatsuki is like hey like you know Make sure you come back to me. Make sure you come back safe. <laughs> Can you imagine how groundbreaking it would have been, like, at the time, like, for an anime, if, like, Tatsuki here just told Orihime that she loved her? Like, it would have been, like, so potent, uh, even, like, if the fireworks, like, cut her off. It would have been so potent for her to say that now, and then, like, Orihime to have to leave and go on this journey. Yeah, Lynn, you're right. That would have been groundbreaking now for an anime. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It, it would have been good, and in my head, that's what happened. Yeah, like, they, the animators definitely just, like, listen, this is what's happening. Here's all of the visual language. Just all of it. <laughs> At 1am, Ichigo opens his window as instructed. And a ball flies through, hitting the wall and leaving a message that appears to be written in blood. The liquid tells him to come to the front of Urdahara's shop. P.S. If you thought this looked like a dying message, you have no sense of humor. Ichigo throws a pillow at it and sneaks out, only for his father to attempt to attack him off the roof. Ichigo dodges and the two bicker a bit before Ashin hands him a charm that Masaki gave him, instructing him to give it back when he returns from his trip. Ichigo leaves and recalls his time with Rukia, refusing to let their time together mean nothing. This part's really good. We complained a lot about, like, most of the Ishin content, but I think this go like, not only is this, like, a really good, like, emotional Ishin bit, I think it's just, like, it's a really good look again into their relationship, where he's like, hey, like, you're my son, and I'm gonna let you go out and go on your adventures, but also, I care for you, and you have a place here. Like, make sure you come back. Yeah, be safe. I I thought it was really I, I thought it was both funny and charming. Huh. But just like overall good moment. East Sheen is a good dad. He's just stuck in an anime that does the stupidest gags. I can see that. Ichigo arrives at the shop, finding Urdahara and Chad outside. Ichigo wonders why Chad is here, who states he is going because Rukia saved him once. Uryu, Orihime, and Yorichi show up, and Ichigo is just flabbergasted at the sight of a talking cat. Yorichi explains that Ichigo's friends also trained and instructs him to thank them. Urahara says they need to come in and discuss things further, as they can't keep talking outside, and Ichigo stops Orihime momentarily, telling her it will be dangerous. She says she knows, and she promised Tatsuki she would go and return before following the others inside. They are gay! Like, I want to be clear. Of these three characters, like, of these characters and Uryu, like, of the four characters, there's three that made promise to important people to them. Ichigo made a promise to his father to come back safely. Ishida made a promise to his mentor, to his dead mentor, that he was gonna, like, go do the thing. And Orihime promised her wife that she would come back to the riverbank. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Like, it even flashes back, like, it, when she tells... Uh, Ichigo that, oh yeah, I promised Tatsuki that I would come back. It flashes back to the fireworks! <laughs> Not to mention, like, of all of the characters we have in this show so far, 
there is absolutely no denying that the characters with the most romantic chemistry in this show are Orihime and Totsuki. Like, there's no denying that whatsoever. Yeah, like, I would be shocked if this wasn't on purpose. Uh, like, this very much feels like I'm doing it this way, and then editorial maybe like stepping in to be like, oh, I, um, could you like not maybe make it obvious? Or at least like make it slightly less obvious? I. I could see that, but also I don't want to give Kubo that much credit. I don't know that he would actually want to write lesbians, given how, like, transphobic he is. Like, obviously there's no transphobia in, like, this lesbian bit, but, like, what I'm saying here is, with how transphobic Kubo is, I refuse to believe that he would just, like, actually want to write characters as gay or queer-coded. He wrote them the way that Shonen, that Shonen, um... Uh, shonen artists tend to write their their shonen protagonists and their main rival, which is here's the two with the most like actual emotions, and that's why everyone's going to ship them together. Because everyone else, yeah, that like, makes because sense. everyone else in the series just doesn't have nearly as much emotional uh, development or depth. That makes sense. Yeah, Orihime really is like the most in depth character aside from Ichigo we have, huh? <laughs> Enjoy huh. it while it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> The group stands in the training space, and Urahara snaps his fingers, causing four rectangular pillars covered in tags to emerge at 90-degree angles, forming the Nether Gate from Minecraft. He explains that the gate... Sorry, I'm laughing at my own joke here. <laughs> so we back in the mine. We back in the mine. He explains this is the gate leading to Soul Society, stating it is a modified Sinkaimon, which is how Soul Reapers traverse between the two worlds. It's what we saw... Renji, like, using his sword as a keyblade earlier to, like, open. He pushes out Ichigo's soul and explains that the Sinkaimon is covered with a layer of Renchi Hinkanki, which converts spiritual energy, explaining that one cannot enter soul society without being a soul, and that normally only Ichigo could enter, but this will convert the others into souls. Ichigo attempts to get started, and Urahara jabs him revealing that they can only keep the gate connected to Soul Society for four minutes at most, and that this is extremely risky. In fact, normally it would be impossible, but he'll try his best to hold it open. He warns the group that if they don't make it through, they will be forever trapped between worlds. Yoruichi is established as the group's guide, and Tessai and Urahara begin charging the gate, leading to Ichigo and the group being engulfed in light, disappearing into the portal, and ending the episode. This so this big segment does a good job to work to it does a good job both to of to show how hard the process is like it took them seven days to make this thing and they're only going to be able to keep it open for four minutes and then at the and yeah. at the end Urahara like reaches towards it and like recoils because like for some re there's something preventing him from going through as well which I think is a good like oh this is why he wasn't participating in the fights and he had to specifically train Ichigo to be able to go defeat the other Soul Reapers. Because he literally cannot go for some reason that we don't know yet. That's true. Uh, that was actually a little detail I missed. Um, I overall really liked this scene. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I really thought that looked like the gate from Minecraft, so I thought that was funny. <laughs> it, um, it is probably like part of... Well, they, they take inspiration likely from like the same places oh for sure 
I, I just thought it was silly. Um, I like that it's, like, covered in the tags. Episode 20 felt very fast. It's weird that it felt very fast because there's so much that happens and, like, writing it down, it's a lot. But, like, the pacing to me felt pretty solid. Um, like, it didn't feel that bad. I, I thought it was a good speed. It was dense, I think, because there's a, like, part parts of it felt a, l- a little fast, but at the same time, we're, like, we're getting so much, both on the, like, big emotional beats that we're getting from Ichigo and his dad, from Tatsuki and Orihime, uh, they, ha- they somehow find the time to put jokes in it, we had that incredible fight at the start, like, this is the same episode that also has the entire fight with Urahara, and also that mo- that thing with Byakuya and the other captains at the start. Like, this is all the same episode, which is crazy. Still wild to me that the episode's named after Gini Shimaru when he's, like, not really that much in the episode. He just shows up once. Well, exactly. His shadow's there. Not him. <laughs> Jin, I have connections. <laughs> Jin. Jin. Uh, as far as... Yeah, I'd like to drink him, if you know what I mean. Waka waka. As far as uh, manga changes, there's like, there's a couple that are pretty interesting for this one. Uh, the the first is there's the scene between Rukia and Renji that just got completely cut, and essentially it's as soon as Byakuya leaves, uh, Renji kind of tries to comfort her. He's like, "Yo, that's like capital punishment, huh?" And she and she's just like, "No sells it." She's like, eh, "It'll make my escape from this place even more interesting." Like. Eh. <laughs> oh, but were you worried about me, Renji? Are you showing feelings to your childhood friend? <laughs> and like she just te- <laughs> she teases him until he gets so pissed off that he leaves and slams the door. And then there's just this immediate retrospective moment where both because like obviously she's just she's basically doing the same thing she had done with Ichigo, where she's trying to push Renji away. And once yeah. he's outside the door and he cools off a little, Renji is like. I know that you are terrified and that you're trying to push me away for doing this. So I'm basically doing you the favor of, like, believing the shit you tell me. And you're like, damn, this is, like, some really good character shit that we don't get in the episode. Uh, During the uh, fireworks segment, we learn that the... So the reason that the group splits up is actually because Tatsuki doesn't want to go... She doesn't want to go into the crowds with her broken arm. She just wants to sit on on this. She wants to sit on this riverbank and watch the things from there. And then everyone else, well, Ishin's been saving seats from like for like twelve hours or something, and that's why everyone else goes away. Uh, but then she has a discussion with uh, Orihime, and she's like, it, she doesn't tell her uh, to come back, and it's before Orihime promises to come back. She specifically says, "Don't go too far away from me." Which is just a good way to phrase it. And then... That's so gay. And then they have a moment where they, like... Like, after the fireworks start, they both end up running to uh, back towards the group after they've had their big moment. And while they're running, Orihime is thinking to herself, I'm just gonna read it. Thank you, Tatsuki, but don't worry. It's because you always look for me that I feel safe no matter where I go. If I go somewhere where you can't find me... Wait for me. I promise to come back here to be with you. <laughs> there is no other reading of that. That's fucking gay. Like that. This is just the text. So that this is why I think I think that's like 
I get the feeling that Kubo wrote it more explicitly, and he may have been asked to pull back a little. Uh, like this, like sp- this exchange in particular is. I'm like, there's, come on, <laughs> uh, they're, they're just guys being pals. And then, uh, lastly, there's another bit of humor, which is when Ichigo is running towards the shop. He, that's where he meets up with Orihime. He doesn't meet up with her like after he gets there and sees Chad. They they basically both meet and they're running towards the shop together. And he's asking her like, "Oh, did you get summoned too?" And she's like, "Yeah, but." But, oh, is something bothering you? I I was told I had no sense of humor. <laughs> because part of the, like, bloody message on the wall that both of them got was, if you thought that this looked like a murder message, you don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> so she just it's takes so it... so funny! She just takes it really to heart, and she's just so distraught. She's like, oh god, I don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> I really Overall, like this all the manga changes sound pretty, like, solid. Yeah, like the th- these chapters of the manga are were just like some really good shit. Um, cards on the table. I may have been reading them while you were doing the summary for episode twenty because once we started episode twenty, I realized I hadn't written any notes for them. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Sam! But if you didn't notice, how's that for professional? Ha <laughs> ha! We're professionals. It's it's all coming together. We're professionals. We should check on baseball one last time before it is, we close off the episode. It is up. The election uh, results are in, and there's also a, a message that I could read out loud here in case anyone's interested, which is that all right, I'm in. Baseball is taking an extended siesta. Baseball began as a so- as a small side project that we decided would be fun to share. We've been overjoyed and honestly overwhelmed to watch it explode the way it has. We love the community, from the fan art to the wiki to the team chants, rituals, and personalities that sprang forth. This is way, way bigger than we expected. Your creativity continues to fuel and inspire us. Blazeball will be back. We plan to bring you more exciting action every week. But to do that, we need some time to fix bugs, add some features, make the machines bigger, and breathe. Our team is exhausted and overworked. We need a little time to recoup so Blazeball can come back stronger than ever. But we will be back. The peanut demands it. It's not finished with you yet. We really appreciate your patience. We're expanding the team right now so we can be ready to relaunch, hopefully in a week or two. Follow us on Twitter and Discord to stay in the loop as we prepare for Blazeball's return. And a very special thank you to, out, goes out to everyone who has supported us on Patreon. For those that can donate, any help goes a long way. Blazeball was created and self-published by a very small team, and it's going to be independence that keeps Blazeball's spirit alive. Thank you again, Blazeball fans. We will see you very soon. We can't see, we can't wait to see what you create next. The game band. Ah, that makes sense. And I was wondering when something like this was gonna happen. Uh, first of all, if if you can, like, obviously, like at some point, we're probably gonna like make a Patreon for the show to like see if we can do more stuff and like to make sure we can keep doing this. But like. If you have, like, the extra money and you like baseball, go support them on Patreon. Like, for real. Even if it's just, like, a lot of people will, some, if they're not supporting anything on Patreon, one of the things that they'll think of is, oh, I don't have a lot of money, and I, it, like, I can only give, like, maybe $1 a month or whatever. It's not worth it. But actually, $1 donations are super worth it. And there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of projects that work entirely off of like four dollars or less donations and just as far as stability is concerned it's more important to have a 
large amount of people who are giving you a small amount of money than a small amount of people who are giving you a large amount of money. Unfortunately, Patreon doesn't agree and keeps trying to fuck over people who have audiences that have small amounts of money, but yeah, such is capitalism. Such is capitalism. Uh, I don't think we should go over all of the team changes, because I just don't think that's going to make for, like, pretty good radio. But the two decrees this week that uh, made the main interviews and So it says the microphone goes, Aaron, the grand unslammed weekend the bridge, space time tears over Los Angeles, the infinite sit these shine. Platonic form corrupted, you look too close. And then, eat the rich, the coins of the 1% have been distributed. Each 99% are received of 193 So we're having a So shall I continue? I am excited for place to come back. I'm Lily. You can find me at Lavender underscore Paws on Twitter. I'm Sam. You can find me at SSBSLJ on Twitter. Imlin, you can find me at Lord underscore Lake on Instagram. That is L-O-T-E underscore Lake on Instagram. You can also find the show at Bleachcast on Twitter.com or you can email us at IWOBleachcast at gmail.com. Stay cool, chads. Stay cool, Chads. Don't get swallowed up by capitalism or soul society. Fuck capitalism. <laughs>